God, on this blessed night, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. I think some of you out there were singing a little too much this week. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. You know who you are. Now, a lot of you know I'm a little bit of a Scrooge. I don't like snow. But even I'm like, well, okay, a little bit on Christmas Eve is all right. But holy smokestack, Mother Nature whooped our keisters this week. It all started on, when did it start? Wednesday? Wednesday afternoon, we started getting the reports, and we're all, schools are letting out, and we're all starting to get a little amped up. And I don't know about you, but I was thinking about my daughter, who's 16, and barely has started driving, and she was supposed to drive down to town and have work that night, and that was a little bit freaky because we didn't know what it was going to be. So my dad anxiety kind of started going, eh, 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 got a little higher. And then the storm really came blowing in, and man, Thursday was, whew, wow, blistering cold, horrible, horrible, horrible. We didn't get that much snow, but what we got was, was nasty, and I was in and out of the house all day long, kind of trying to move a little bit of snow to get out to the cars, to start the cars. You know, we didn't want them to freeze up. So, you know, dad mode again. And then we thought Friday was going to be a little better. Friday really wasn't a whole lot better. I mean, it was a little bit, but not very much. And my dad anxiety kept going up, kept going up, kept going up. Now, I'm going to let you behind the curtain just a little bit. My role as pastor, sometimes dad mode also applies to you guys. It might be weird, but it's true. And I was thinking about things, I was concerned about things on Friday because I actually had a funeral and we were supposed to do a graveside in negative 40 wind chill. I mean, it was just, it was not good. It was not good. So over the course of like three days, two and a half, three days, this overprotective, overactive dad anxiety just kept like, <sighs> and anything in my mind that could possibly go wrong, I'm going to worry about this for like an hour. Okay, <sighs> okay, all right, all right. Well, you know, that didn't happen. Now I'm going to worry about this for an hour. What if that happens? What if this goes on? What if that goes on? I mean, I was imagining every worst case scenario. It all turned out fine. And here we are tonight. We've gotten through the storm. The snow has been plowed, things we've been able to get here. It's, it's actually, what is it, like 12 degrees outside? We're having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave. But we've been able to gather here. And we've been able to be in this place together to hear the story once again, the story of the birth of Jesus, the nativity of Jesus. Now, I was thinking a lot about that, that story, and I was thinking about the tendency that we all have to gather on this night and why it's just so important when we come together and we sing these songs and we sit in these pews and we hear this story and we'll light the candles in a little while and we'll share in communion, all of these things. You know, it's the same service every year. It's the same worship every year. It's the same story every year. And yet it feels so vital that we gather to, to hear it and to experience it and to embody what it is that we celebrate on this night, the birth of our Lord. Now, I love this story so much, and I love the ways that we all tend to think about it. 
and the ways that it manifests in our mind to the point where in my confirmation class, every other year when we talk about the nativity story, which just happened this last Sunday, it's my favorite thing because we think about the wonderful Christmas programs that we see that the Sunday school kids do, and they do, and it's wonderful. And we have those things that the confirmation kids discover. That's not actually in the story. Like the donkey, Nadine, was there a donkey for them to ride? Yes, okay, Nadine says there was. <laughs> there might have been. We don't, we don't hear about one, but yeah, it stands to reason there probably was. The wise men, they don't show up for a long time. They're not even in there, but we think about them. We embody this story, and we think about it, and you know what? It's okay if we fill in some of those things around it. I found myself doing that this year, this time, as I thought about this story. I was thinking about the different people that are involved in it. We've got Mary and Joseph who have to travel from the north to, from Nazareth, where they live, all the way down to the south to Jerusalem, a journey of about 100 miles. They have to go to be registered. And I can only imagine, I'm, I'm projecting just a little bit of my, my overactive dad energy right now into what Joseph must have been feeling. Mary is all of the way pregnant. And can you imagine that conversation? Hey, Mary, we got to go to uh, Bethlehem and I realize that this isn't the most opportune time, but we got to go. And the entire time, I'm sure both of them were saying, just let us get there, let us get back before she has to have the baby. Well, they get to, to Bethlehem, and we hear that so many other people around that everyone is just packed in, and because of that, they're crammed into the one spot that they can find. And lo and behold, at the most inopportune time ever, it's time for the baby to be born. Jesus is born. Now, Mary is a young girl. She's probably 13 or 14. She's surrounded by people that she may or may not know real well. She's probably away from her family and anyone familiar that might be able to offer a little bit of comfort. She has her first baby. I can only imagine how scared she was. And the entire time, Joseph's got to be biting every fingernail he's got available just to, out of worry for her trying to control things that he can't control. Mary was probably hoping to control things that she couldn't control. So this happens. And this is the story of Jesus being born. And we got the shepherds, and they're just hanging out in the middle of the night, and then they get the shock of a lifetime when out of nowhere, this heavenly spotlight turns on, and the angel shows up. And every time an angel shows up, it's got to be freaky because the first thing we always hear the angel say is, don't be afraid. And that's what goes on. Fear not. Don't be afraid. For born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Go and you will find him. This will be the sign. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in the manger. The rest of the angels show up. They, they, they're, they're making the proclamation too. They're singing in Latin for some reason. I don't know why, but they are. And then they, they just, they, then they all leave, and the angels, or once the angels have gone, and then the shepherds are like, well, let's go check this out. And, and I can only imagine that they were probably freaking out just a little bit as well and worrying, well, do we leave our sheep? They're all bedded down. You think they're going to be okay? Well, what if, what if a, a predator shows up? Well, I don't know. Maybe one of us should stay. Maybe we shouldn't. No, you know what? The angel said, go check it out. Let's go check it out. So they do, and they hunt high and low, and finally they find the house, this is another situation where Mary was probably um, a little bit 
perturbed, maybe, when all of a sudden she's finally trying to get some rest and a bunch of shepherds show up like, hey, can we see your kid? They come in and they give glory to God and they share everything that's, that has happened to them with everyone who's in this house, Mary, Joseph, whoever else might be around. And once the moment has passed, the shepherds, they go back off and they're telling everybody they run into this amazing thing that was happened. And then Mary treasures all these things in her heart. <laughs> I love that line. She treasured all these things. Maybe like three days later when she'd gotten a nap, she treasured these things. But that's the story. It's this very wonderful, amazing story about the divine one that we call God entering into our reality as one of us. Now, when I think of this story, and maybe when you think of this story, we probably kind of have the rose-colored glasses, like, oh, it's so nice and serene, and I bet there was a beautiful starlight that was just twinkling, and it was glorious, like when we all walk out of here, here about another 45 minutes from now or half hour from now, and it's all beautiful, it, and we just have that idea. But folks, this was messy. The whole thing was messy. And today, as I think about it, or more so in the last couple of days, as I've thought about this story, I found myself really relating to one of the characters, and that's Joseph. And the fear and the anxiety and the concern that he must have been feeling for the, everything that was going on around him that he was powerless to really do anything about. And it was because of my own circumstances and all these different things that I was freaking out about over the course of two or three days. That's who I related to and where I found a connection into this story. I can't tell you who you will relate to because of your circumstances, but I'm guessing that the circumstances that you find yourself in today, tonight, this year, as you come and hear this story, it's probably different than it has been in the previous times because life is like that. Every single time we hear this familiar story, we find ourselves in a different place, in different circumstances, in a different point of life that might make us hear it just a little bit different. Maybe you're finding yourself today in the midst of hard news that's rattling around in the back of your head and you don't quite know what to do with it. Maybe on the flip side, tonight as you gather here in worship, there's something joyful that has happened in, in your life and the life of your family that, that has you beaming from ear to ear, and it's amazing, and it's wonderful. Life is back and forth. Life is messy. Life is good, and life is hard all at the same time. And yet God chose to enter into this messy life. As I was thinking about the story, as I was thinking about this sermon, as I was thinking about this worship service, as I was thinking about all of this stuff yesterday morning, in the midst of still drastic wind chills and weather that wasn't real great, continuing to worry about a bunch of stuff that I had zero control over, this may come as a shock, but I was freaking out. I was freaking out about tonight. I was freaking out about this message. I was freaking out about a lot of different things. And I reached out to a friend of mine, a fellow pastor. And I said, help. What are we going to do? And she said, to you is born this day a Savior. 
And I didn't say anything. And then she said, do you need to hear that again? I said, yep, you better tell me that one more time. She said, Scott, to you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Life is messy. We cannot deny that. But to you is born a Savior. However you find yourself tonight, good, bad, otherwise, I guess that kind of covers the basis, doesn't it? Good, bad, or a mix of the two. To you is born a Savior. That's why we gather. That's what makes this night different than every other night. And that's why we come together to celebrate, to hear that same story and to hear it with fresh ears because of whatever's going on in our lives. Hold on to that promise. To you is born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen.